Hey, everybody. Welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Molly. Hey, hey, I'm Blair. And today we are talking about parents behaving badly. Ooh. Just being, ooh, just being rude and inconsiderate to their children. Mm, that's not nice. That's not nice. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> also guilty. Because <laughs> everybody's human. Everybody's human. <sighs> And we're talking today about what do we do when we see that kind of thing? Do we say something? Do we not say something? How do we say something? You know what? The thing about this subject that makes me sweat. (laughs) Sweaty bits. Sweaty bits. It's so much a part of parenting. We talk about this too. Fear being judged. Yep. You know? And like, we're so worried about how other parents see us, how other people see us. Of course, whether we're doing a good job. I mean, our listeners are listening to a parenting podcast right now. So you are doing a good job. Great job. Because you're worried about being a good parent. It's so interesting that you say this, Molly, because I was in charge of doing the research this episode. And in my research, I had a hard time at the top of it because I was like, all I could find was literal quizzes that said, am I a bad parent? Am I a bad mom? Am I a bad dad? Top 10 signs you're a bad parent and what to do about it. And I'm like, if these are like the top hits that people are getting, that just goes to show that people are really concerned. There is concern when they pop off. Because we're all human. We can't all be have that perfectly calm, barefoot Contessa nature, although I'd love to. Oh, man, wouldn't you? I in the garden. Oh, God, she's so good. I know, right? She's so good making up those gigantic cocktails. Mmm, girl. She's living the life. And she's, and of course, it's her TV persona. But I always, when I think of sort of that calm, I mean, really just, she's such a light, you know? I don't think she has any kids. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> that is really funny. I've never even thought about it until you just said that. There's a reason. <laughs> She's so calm. Oh, her and Jeffrey just living their best lives out there. Good for them. Living their best lives to them. <laughs> so that's another great reason we can't all be the barefoot contessa. Because we got children. We have kids, but we can't all be. Nobody's perfect. We can't have the perfect countenance all the time. It's, there are so many factors. There are so many stresses on our lives. And as we always say here on Todd Perg's, we can't get right with your kids until you're right with yourself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to get right with ourselves. It's hard to get right with yourself, but it's also okay. This just in. It's okay if every now and then you lose your cool. Yeah. It's okay. It has you're to, human. It has to be. Guess what? You're human. It has to be. Because if you don't and you don't forgive yourself, mm-hmm. I can't carry that burden. It's too heavy. No way. Put it down. And something that, in fact, I was telling Molly this yesterday that I utterly lost my all of the poo-poo that was inside of me on my kid and I screamed like really we were eating dinner and it was just like they were fighting it'd been a long long day for me and I was just like ah knock it off and I was but I meant it you know that rage yeah that lives inside of me and I took a breath and I said to myself I'm gonna have to apologize and I didn't want to like I had a moment where I was like oh I shouldn't have to They should know that this is ridiculous. This is so dumb. And I was like hating everything. Then I took a breath and I looked at my kid. I still didn't want to, but I'm the adult. And I 
apologized. And he totally like, he was like, mom, it's all good. It's okay. I forgive you. And I was like, okay. But I was like, (laughs) you know, then it's like, oh, and then the guilt comes in. Great. Thank you. Check that. But it's like, as long as you can check yourself and forgive yourself, like it's going to happen. But today we're talking about what do we do when we see that bad behavior, which is, could be like public physical abuse, like hitting, spanking, maybe. Right. Or yelling, screaming in an abusive manner in public. Right. It's that thing that you see that you're just like, that your gut is just like, ooh. Because we're just the outside eyes in that one moment. That's it. All we have. Is this just one moment where this poor parent, we don't see the point to which they've been, how they got there. Like we weren't witness to their entire day. Exactly. It's the same kind of thing where you hear about, or I think it might even be like some kind of a memeable graphic of some kind where it says, you see the mom pushing the stroller, looking at her phone. And you think to yourself, oh, that is such an inattentive mother. They're looking at their phone. Mm -hmm. But what you didn't see was everything leading up to that. Mm -hmm. It's that iceberg meme. Oh, yes. You only see the tip. You only see the tip of the iceberg, but the iceberg underneath is like uh, all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's that thing where you see a parent on the playground just losing it, right? And you can connect to it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I get that. I've been there. And you give that like solidarity, like look, right? Or you don't look at all. <laughs> yeah, or you try to give them their privacy in that very public moment. You're, exactly. Or there's like these moments where something seems off. For example, the other day I picked uh, my son up from school and... We're getting in the car and he's telling me all about his day. And then I hear this like cursing, like loud cursing, like from coming from behind. And I'm looking around. I'm like, we had school. Who is this? And it was this dad who was laying into his son about, I think something had happened where he was called into school and he had to go talk to the teacher. And, but like the way he was talking to him, he was like, you little this, you think I like bleeping coming here? And I was like, I wanted to say something, right? Because something about it stood out to you. Something about it stood out to me where I was like, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem like that thing that I can connect to where I'm like, oh, honey, I get it, right? Yeah. It was like just outside of that where, and then I looked at the kid and I saw his face And it was like this look of like, why are you saying this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And yet I didn't say anything. And so as we talk today, like that's like, these are the things that like we want to like address so we can figure out the difference, right? Yep. And how do we go about like saying it? How do we go about like looking at it subjectively? Yeah. Taking a breath. And then how do we go into it? Right. Right. Objectively. Objectively. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I get them. I (laughs) I do too. All of the time. And even as you said it, though, I also want to recognize the humanity of the fact that we inevitably look at things subjectively. Like Exactly. Yes. We try to, we do our best, but we can't separate our hearts from what's happening. We can't separate our, like you said, our empathy as a fellow caregiver Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with that. So like keeping those things in mind we're going to talk about the tools where we say, uh, uh, this is outside of right something in my gut, right? It's all about listening to your gut. And my problem is, is that as soon as I heard it, my thing is that I want to come at it like, hey, right? Right. Coming in hot. But listen, this is the thing. This is what the experts say. If it's hot, don't come in 
<laughs> Don't come adding more heat. Don't turn that burner up. Your pasta's already boiling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or their pasta. <laughs> their pasta's cooked. So that check. So actually reading these articles, I was like, oh, because there is a way. There is totally a way that I could have handled that. There's a couple ways that I could have handled it. And one of the biggest things that stood out to me was when you feel that gut feeling that's like that's off. There's always something that if you see it happening Mm -hmm. outside in the world, what could possibly be going on? inside of their world. And by saying something in this moment, what could you be doing for this child? Right? Because that's what it is when you see something like this, and it's outside of that, you know, moment, a moment where a caregivers, you know, loses their volume control or whatever, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or whatever that thing may be. The bottom line is that we want to make sure that whatever our choice is, it's for the in the best interest of the child. Mm -hmm. Because that's the point, right? Like, that's our gut feeling. We're not worried about that parent. Mm-hmm. Well, we might be. <laughs> we could be. We, and we definitely could be. We could be a little worried about their mental state of mental health or whatever. But ultimately, it's about protecting the child and giving them, how do I say this? Wrapping them in positivity, mm-hmm. shielding them from the negativity as we would our own child. And I guess that's what it is. That gut feeling is that incredible sharp pang of empathy for the child. Mm-hmm. And the adult. Sometimes you feel that empathy for the adult, as you do when you do feel, when you see that mm-hmm. and you have that like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Jimmy, get down. Give your dad a break. Get down, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to get inside and eat his pasta. Come on, come down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. When we come back, we are going to talk more about this, about what are we looking for? What is sort of that feeling in our gut that tells us that this is an opportunity for us to give that parent and or child some support? How do we do this? How do we do this? And the other question is, do we do this? Do we do it? Exactly. Do we step in? Do we say, hey, my man, (laughs) or hey, my friend, how can I help this situation? Mm -hmm. And is, in fact, it helping? Ooh, we got it. We got it. We got you covered. My chest hurts. (laughs) It's all good. We got some good tips. Oh, good. I'm excited. We'll be right back. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Hey, hey, welcome back to Tyler Purgatory, where we're talking about bad parent behavior. You know, we've all seen it, whether good or bad. And now we have some tips on should we say something? How do we say something? Determining what is bad behavior versus what is like mm, bad day behavior, bad moment behavior, right? Yeah, oh, Ugh. bad moment. Yeah. You know that? Yeah, the talking through the teeth. Yeah. Come here. I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We're leaving. <laughs> that voice that when it starts, I need it, right? I need it. Yeah. Because it is giving me, I'm giving myself permission to get this rage out of me. And then immediately I regret using it, having the, the fact that it is, it's even there. Because most of the time it's just like, I am just tired. I just want you to be an adult. <laughs> Just like, yeah, in this moment, I need you to, yeah, react the way that I need you to react in 15 years when you're an actual adult. (laughs) Yeah. It's annoying that it's like that. And it's pushing buttons. Push, push, push all day long, all day long. So, yes. So, like you said, is this a moment or is this a time where they need somebody to step in? Right. So, what'd you find out? So, I got this article from the New York Times. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Weird. It's called, Should You Intervene When a Parent Harshly Disciplines a Child in Public? And it's something that if it's in your neighborhood or your school, recognize if it's a pattern or if it's an isolated incident born out of frustration or weariness. Mm-hmm. We all know those. Mm-hmm. Again, if you witness things like happening, uh, they gave an example of someone seeing like at a baseball game, this dad who's just like is so tough on his kid. It's like they're like six, seven playing baseball. And sure. whenever the kid doesn't do something right in the parent's eyes, the parent is making him do laps and making him do bear crawls. And no one else is. <laughs> He's just making his kid do it individually on the baseball field. Hey, Dad, take a breather. Hey, Dad. (laughs) He was born seven years ago. He didn't exist eight years ago. Take it easy. Take it easy. But this mom was saying that finally it was like after lots of like parents like chattering amongst themselves about it. Right. Which is what we do. Only human. But it was like after seeing it after so many times, she eventually like said something to him directly to him. And. Uh, well, he wasn't keen on it. He was not happy that she said he didn't take it. It's weird. The guy who makes his seven year old do bear crawls after every minor infraction of baseball. And he didn't take criticism. Well, shocking. Yeah, it's shocking. Shocker. Maybe that's why you didn't play professional baseball, sir. <laughs> but yeah, he didn't take it well. But guess what happened? Knocked it off. It stopped. He knocked it off. And whether that was like the public shaming that he got. Right. Or hopefully, knock, knock, knock on my brain would, is that he had a moment where he was like, oh yeah, maybe this is really unnecessary for me to do to my kid. Hopefully he was able to step back and objectively look at his own behavior or talk to his therapist about it. Or talk to his therapist about it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So that's what, so what I'm hearing is that we can't tell from seeing a parent and a child once Mm-mm. with some kind of a verbal, you know, admonishment or whatever it's called on the thing. Is there any way of knowing whether that's a pattern of behavior? No. But if you are in a situation yeah. where in a position where you see this kid and this parent all the time, wherever it is, playground, roller skating rink, mm-hmm. baseball practice. Got it. Okay. 
then we start seeing it's a pattern. Okay. Pick up after school. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Got it. Thank you. Dan Duffy, president and chief executive of Preventive Child Abuse America, says his organization is a firm that believes that if you see something, say something. Okay. Right? Again, it's that gut feeling. Mm -hmm. It's that thing where it's just like, oh, that, mm, mm mm-mm. Right. And you do have to determine that for yourself. And we'll get into really honing in on that feeling as opposed to honing in on the judgment, because there could be repercussions for saying things. Right. There could be repercussions for getting involved or involving the police or something. Right. Right. So that's why you really have to, like, dig deep in that moment. Darlene Simmons, a public health educator with St. Paul Ramsey County Public Health. In St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. I love you. Minnesota. She's a lead trainer for the Walk and Heza project. And Walk and Heza in the Dakota language means child or sacred one. I just love that. <laughs> and she says, if you wait for something to get worse before doing anything, it definitely can get worse. And then it becomes harder to connect and be of help. Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking about that. I think my biggest fear about saying something is because, well, first of all, I don't want to get punched in the nose. Secondly, I am, because of that sort of societal thing, and it's totally selfish, but it's, I don't want to hear someone to turn to me and say, mind your own business. This is none of your business. But that's interesting to think if you make the connection earlier before it gets worse, maybe it is sitting there and just kind of being a friend, for lack of a better term, like somebody who's they're not going to take it wrong from. I don't know how to say that. Well, this gets into like, how do we go about saying something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really, again, when you do that self-check, which you really have to do in this moment, right? It's kind of like, here it is, here it is. This just came to me. But it's kind of like when someone's choking, you know, and you have those like few moments of like, wait, is something wrong? Are you okay? And then there's a moment where you're like, oh no, something is wrong. Or, oh, okay, you're cool, right? It's that kind of, that's the gut feeling that I'm talking about. That's the kind of like thing, right? So when you are, according to the experts, again, I am no expert. I'm an expert reader, which I'm really not. I'm kind of (laughs) slow. But I read this article that had a wealth of knowledge and they said, Determine whether you should speak to the adult or to the child. (gasps) How do you know? How do you know? Speak to the adult first. And they say, be cool, be calm, be collected, and don't bring the heat if it's already hot. That's good. That's good. So, for example, if when I heard that guy like berating his kid, I could have easily been like, hey, man, you okay? You good? Right? And just to give him, if anything, a pause. In that moment, yeah, of berating his child to like know that I see him and I hear him. Yeah. I don't have to be like, yo, what are you doing? Right? I could have just easily been like, hey, ho, 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 you okay? It seems like, okay. Because that's so funny because I can see that welling up in your chest, that feeling of like, yes. oh, this guy needs to be slowed down. And then doing that noise that works with both children and dogs, which is, <laughs> No, 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 watch it, watch it, watch it, no, break it, I'm breaking your concentration right now because it's getting a little hot and that person's going to be like, did you just say uh, 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 to me? As opposed to, hey man, how's it going? Yeah, 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 I think I saw you at the PTA meeting. I don't know, I made that up. Yeah, be real cool about it. Everything okay? Can I help you with anything or, hmm, ooh, that's a tough one. There was another example of this woman who 
was at like a botanical gardens and she saw a woman. <laughs> I shouldn't. This is not funny. But it's just like sometimes I know it so well. I get it. But she her kid was being bonkers and she put her hands on his shoulders and looked him in the eyes and said, I will destroy you. That's not funny. But God almighty, I've been there. <laughs> and the kid was like, you know, afraid and crying. And the mother was completely red. And what was interesting was the woman that witnessed it. She was Polish. And the woman that was speaking, she was Polish as well. No kidding. So she understood what she said in Polish. So she understood it. Yeah, so she understood it. That woman thought she was safe speaking it in Polish. At- she thought that was a thing. <laughs> she thought she was safe. She's like, all these people are not going to know that I will destroy you. <laughs> Except for this one moment. It was like, oh, hey, hi. Hey. And so she said she went over to her in her language and she didn't say anything to the kid. She said to the mom, are you okay? You seem like you're having a tough day. Mm. And she said that the mother just lost it. Like cried or uh, mad? Like cried. Like she was like, ugh. Well, she let go of that tension. She, she was holding that tension and rage inside of her and she let go of it. And she was allowed to. She was allowed to because someone saw her, right? This woman saw her in her moment. And instead of being yes. like, ah, no, 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 right? <laughs> like, I know what you're saying. <laughs> this woman said she's going to destroy her kid. <laughs> Instead of that, she used her heartfelt compassion and empathy and was just like, and just checked in with her. And then she was able to like take a moment with her and they had like a little breather and then, you know, they went about their day. Yeah. But like, that's part of it too, you know? And that's the thing is that we don't know, we feel. And I guess part of this is about trusting that we have that because I think that my hesitation would be, I have to admit, like gender-based. I think I'd have a lot less movement in my feet. Right, right, right. If I saw an angry, to be honest with you, an angry man versus another mom. Right. And I don't know if that is sexist or whatever, but. No, that makes sense. That's human. I think so. Actually, good point to bring up. Because in this New York Times article that I was referring to before about intervening when a parent harshly disciplines their child, it all stemmed from, this article stemmed from an incident in Texas where a woman witnessed a man, his kid, again, was being bonkers in the uh, grocery store, as kids do. I know. And yet they insist on coming in with me. Oh, gosh. Do you have to? He loves it. He loves going to the grocery store. And then he pushes that little customer in training. Grocery cart, that's tiny, a kid said. And he's just tearing around corners. When he was one and a half, it was hilarious. And now he's five and a half. And I'm like, somebody is going to get their kneecaps taken <laughs> off by you. You need to set my down. Set my down, child. Yes. Well, this kid, unfortunately, her dad had it. And he had her hair. Like, he was pushing the cart, but he took a tug of her hair with him. Like, to keep her. And this woman saw it. And the smart thing that she did was she went and she got the manager and brought him over with her to confront the father. Yeah. So if you do feel like that, if you feel like, oh, I don't know if I need to, like, confront this person. Yeah. But this feels like a physically tenuous situation. Right. Get some backup. Yeah. Or you can check in with someone. I've done that before where I've seen somebody have like a medical emergency and I'll see it. And then I'll like, do you see this? 
So I just like, just check it. Because in the long run, who cares? Who cares if you look dumb? Who cares if you got judged? Who cares? You are possibly saving a life. Yeah. Right? Somebody said that about putting your, a similar sort of thing, but that's the same theory was like when it's raining really hard and you put your hazards on as you drive down the highway. Mm -hmm. And well, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, this is a potentially dangerous situation because we don't know which way it's going to go. It's best to do the thing that will help somebody. Exactly. So let me just put my flashers on just in case. Let me put my flashers on. Yes, because then if the rain lets up and you shut them off, who cares? But if you didn't put them on and there's a 21 car pileup, you know, whatever, like do the thing that could save a life. Or if you're like me and you can't see when you're driving in the rain and you forget your glasses, your hazards are going to help me out so much. Yes. (laughs) First of all, please don't drive without your glasses, listeners. Blair. Get it together. I know. It's sometimes I, I have my contacts. My contacts don't work. I blink them out of my eyes. It's my allergies. It's a whole thing. Visually, I think you should stay home. Me too. <laughs> it's where I'm most comfortable. Yes. Okay. So we're going to the biggest tip so far is we're listening to our guts. Mm-hmm. And we are going to take the approach in that moment. And I know this is like this. It sounds to me what I'm hearing is that it's sort of an in the moment kind of decision. It would be hard to say by looking at something, whether this is a pattern of behavior or not, without actually knowing the people. When do we not intervene? You don't intervene, A, when you don't have that gut feeling. Yeah. When it's just like, oh, they're having a moment. Yeah. When you're teeter-tottering, just leave it alone. Leave it be. Mm -hmm. And you have to use your best judgment because uh, Kwame Anthony Apia, an NYU philosophy professor and author of The Honor Code says that sometimes if you enlist the police or, you know, any kind of uh, security or child protective services, you could trigger an invasive and possibly traumatizing series of events. Perhaps the separation of the child from the parent, which is sometimes, he says, is necessary, but you must be very confident that such recourse is justified. You got to understand that a call to a child abuse hotline or police or whatnot in a hot moment that's based on good intentions, Mm -hmm. but poor information can devastate a struggling family or just not even a struggling family, just a struggling moment. Right. 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 So you really have to just like check your gut. And again, I think what helps is checking in with other people around you. Mm hmm. Because I really do feel like if this is another thing, too, if there is something serious enough to be said and people are around, someone else is going to be like, yeah, this ain't good. Right. What about physical stuff? So, for instance, one time I was Mm -hmm. walking through a hallway at Port Authority and sort of as I came around the corner, I was going to Port Authority is the bus station and major subway terminal in New York City. And as I came around the corner, there was a door that went to a track that there were no trains on at the moment. And I saw a mom bring her two girls who were maybe like eight or nine. And she kind of had them by the wrist a little bit. It wasn't super jerky. It was more like trying to control them because they were like misbehaving or whatever. And as I walked by, the doors closed behind them. And as I walked by, I glanced over my shoulder through the window and I could see that she was not in a way. She was kind of swatting their bums. Like the way my mom did once when I crawled on top of the counter and I was a little kid 
and I got, she had said no more grasshoppers. So I went up there when I thought she wasn't looking and I grabbed a grasshopper <laughs> by climbing on the counter, mm-hmm. which you could hurt yourself, which is immediate. Like, also, I was not allowed to do. Blonk, blonk, blonk. You're endangering yourself. Yep. Got down, started running towards the stairs and my mom <laughs> managed to hook me around the waist. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. She pulled the cookie out of my hand and said, what is this? And mm-hmm. I was like, grasshopper. She's like, what did I say? You can't have this. Gave my butt a swat Mm -hmm. and sent me to my room. Mm -hmm. Apologize later, I'd like to say. And this was in the 80s. So good for her for having having the confidence (laughs) to apologize after. Because, you know, we haven't started apologizing to our kids until very recently. (laughs) True. So so there was something in this moment of seeing this mom with her two daughters that I recognized. Mm -hmm. And I have thought about it a lot because this has happened probably 10 years ago. And because they were, quote unquote, behind closed doors, but there was this panel of glass, I kind of, the first thing that happened is my head whipped away because I thought that I was seeing something personal. Right. right. Like, this is a private moment, which is why she wasn't doing it in the middle of the hallway. She went through that door to the, um, you know, the platform. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of searchingly looked at the people around me, but because it was Port Authority and everybody was rushing, almost nobody was even noticing. So I was sort of alone in my observance. And I kept walking. And ever since then, it was probably a good 10 years ago, ever since then, I wondered if I should have said something and not, I didn't even really necessarily have the instinct to do the, ah, 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 don't do that. Don't sweat your kids' bums. But more of like, hey, 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 you okay? Hey, do you need a sec? Want me to hang out with your kids for a second so you can take a breather? Yeah. And I wonder if I should have done that. But because she went behind those doors, it felt like a private moment. And I, I don't know, I wanted to respect that. It's such a weird all I'm saying is there are so many emotions in that moment. And I know that the best thing to do is to trust your gut in that moment. But in that moment, there are so many conflicting feelings. Of course. And in this moment of talking to you about it, I feel I'm feeling overwhelmed by them, much less in the moment when it happened. Of course. I think that in that moment, Molly, it's okay to like take as much time as you need. You know, like stay in the periphery of. Mm-hmm. Take as much time as you need to like let that gut check settle for a second, for a minute, for two minutes, assess the situation, and then act. Because it also is her business. I know. It also is her business. And that's the thing. I think that when that gut is like someone is in danger. Right. Someone is in clear and present danger. Because if interjecting could be putting you in it scary situation, yes. right? Yep, there's a lot of factors. Take that, or again, take someone with you. Who cares? Yeah, grab an engineer or whatever. Who cares if you look dumb? Who cares? Somebody was walking by Port Authority. You see all those people, all those people walking by Port Authority? Someone enjoying an Auntie M's pretzel. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you just stand here right quick? I'm just going to go check on this. I just need someone to yeah. watch my back. That's it! I know it's like, in the moment, it's tough, but if it If you feel as though, you know what I mean? If it's rattling you enough, take that moment to be like, okay, let me see what this is. Let me see what this is. And in that moment, I don't think I had the tools. I'm glad we're having this episode because I don't think I had the tools in that moment. Totally. To give myself permission to take that minute. Exactly. I think that I said, I either have to deal with it right now, which would, I think would have been adding heat to the kitchen, as we say, Mm -hmm. adding heat to the hot. And also it was New York City and I was like on my way somewhere. And I was like, oh, I'm, the moment has passed. And I kept walking and I've carried that sort of guilt with me since Of course. Then. Of course. <sighs> and in my research, let me tell you, so many people said that they don't want to interject because it is a private moment, because it is none of their business. And it's like, that's also a human thing, right? It is also a human thing to be like, oh, that's their business. And especially when it comes to like 
parenting, when it comes to disciplining your own child, you don't want to get involved with that. But again, and nobody wants to hear they're doing something wrong. Exactly. No one wants to be critiqued on their parenting. They don't know you. You don't know them. Right. Or you might. Yeah. But either way. But there is a way to do it if you feel that thing. Because what could happen if you brought someone along with you and said, just hold, just watch my back right quick. Right. What could happen? She could have been like, mind your business. And you're like, cool. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure you're good. Right. Yeah, and then walk away and then go to work <laughs> with your hand shaking and just sip that latte with your shaking hands. But at least you did something, right? But at least you did something. Yes, yes. And maybe that alone, she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, right? Or not. Who knows? But I never think that there's anything wrong. When you get that feeling, I never, ever, ever think that there's anything wrong with saying something. This is also coming from a person who when I see people just crying in public, I stop. And I, I know I, I know you do. We've talked about this. You're so good. I give, I give hugs. I'm a mess. Oh, you're so good. You're not a mess. You're great. We'll be right back. Hey there. I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And we're back on Toddler Purgatory, hashtag Todd Purgs. <laughs> we're talking about what do I do if some guy or person is yelling at their kid? What do I say? Do I say anything at all? <laughs> oh, I sing when I'm nervous. So that tells you that this conversation, just talking about these situations is making, mm-hmm. we, you know, me and Blair really like to talk about our pit sweat. <laughs> Which I got some major ones going on right now. Let me tell you something. So... This is good. And again, you know, we may be hearing this and saying, yes, I remember that. That happened to me Mm -hmm. once. I was either the person who had my low growly voice on and it scared my kid in public or I was the person who saw it. Right. Mm -hmm. Blair, tell me if I'm missing anything. But these are my biggest takeaways from this. The first one is don't add heat to the hot. Don't don't do it. If there's already something going on and it's a heated thing, jumping in is going to get somebody burned. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe you. Maybe you. Maybe you. So give yourself permission to take a minute, maybe keep some distance, 
and keep some distance, take your time. Yep. Yep. Figure out if and when it's the right opportunity to connect with that parent and say, hey, hey, my friend, you doing okay? Yeah, you're right. And it might, as long as it's not during the hot time, might be a moment for them to connect and maybe even let go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which could be helpful. And also, don't be afraid to call for backup. And I know my example was from New York City, and a lot of people say, in New York City, everybody's rushing, everybody's mean, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. 17 years living in New York City, and it's the nicest, kindest people I've ever known. 100%. I always say in the city, it's the est. Nicest. I've met the nicest people, the smartest, <laughs> the dumbest, yes. the meanest. <laughs> yes. Yep. yep. All of the above, for sure. It's all the above. So find someone to connect with. Find, make eye contact with somebody or grab somebody, the manager at the grocery store or something to back you up. If you're saying to yourself, this isn't sitting right in my gut. And this is a time when I need to say something. Yep, exactly. It may not be safe for me to step in right now, so I'm going to grab back up right quick. Yep. And that's when you do it. And yeah, totally. And Darlene Simmons, again, from that New York Times article, she says, if you bring a genuine care and desire out of love and respect, people will get that. Yeah. They may not respond to it with the same kind of energy, maybe. At least, or, or even right away, right later. But yeah. they know where it's coming from. And you know where it's coming from. And guess what? That's all that matters. I love that. I'm going to repeat that if you don't mind, because I love that. Genuine care and desire out of love and respect. That's great, Blair. Like, that's very true, because that is something people can connect to and recognize. And even if it's the kind of thing where in the moment they say, nope, we're fine. Yes. And they walk away. Later on that day, they might say, ah, that person was just checking in because they saw me lose my ass. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on all scales, too, y'all. Like... Even when you see that parent on the playground, in the grocery store, wherever, if it's that gut check, uh uh-oh, or even it's a minor thing where you're just like, ooh, girl, I've been there, you can still check in. Just check in. Give them that like thumbs up or that like I've been there. Or even in one of the articles, a mom was sitting next to a mom on a plane and the kid was like losing it. And they just made like a little puppet out of the vomit bag. There was no vomit in it. (laughs) Thank God. But they made like a puppet, you know, just to distract the kid, just to give the mom like a second, you know, just to breathe. And sometimes you just need the permission to breathe. And if you see it and you can be it, what is there to lose? Yeah. What if you think it's something serious? What if you say, ooh, I'm not qualified to step in here? If it's something truly serious. Call the police. And is there, you want to give that hotline info? Yes, there is a hotline. You can call 911 or if there is a situation that, again, if there's like pattern behavior that you see or that you witness, you can always call 1-800-4-A-CHILD, C-H-I-L-D. That's 1-800-4-A-CHILD. And that's for any time you see something or you witness something on a regular basis that seems not right with you. Hit them up. What's the worst that can happen? Someone can get to a child and maybe help them out. And it's anonymous, too. You don't have to say who you are. Well, thank you so much, Blair, for that information. I feel like we've all been in this situation. Hopefully, some of our listeners haven't. And they're like, huh, I've never seen that before. Right. Exactly. I've never seen a parent lose it. Or <laughs> <laughs> So I hope that more of you are saying that to yourselves than not right now. But now at least we can go into it and trust our guts and be able to say, hey, is this a moment where I can check in with the parent after the heat has cooled down? Or is this a time when I need to call in the grocery store manager to back me up to make sure that we're checking in and this child is safe? Mm-hmm. Or in the more extreme case, 
if a child is truly getting hurt, that we're going to go ahead and use that hotline number. 1-800-4, the number 4-A-CHILD. Child. Mm-hmm. Great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We love you, listeners. Thank you for being here on Toddler Purgatory. If you're having a good time, we have wonderful episodes. One of them is on mom guilt and rage or parent guilt and rage and these emotions that we feel. It's a good follow-up. <laughs> good follow-up to this one. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go ahead and look that episode up, uh, you can listen to all our episodes at toddlerpurgatory.com or just kind of scroll down wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Drop a rate and review if you're enjoying our podcast and we thank you. We'll see you next time on Todd Perks. Take it easy. Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.